0: Day podcast.
1: What's going on everybody? Welcome back to the Packaday podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I am back on the video podcast after a couple day absence. I am back on the audio podcast on my normal slot every Monday. I want to go over something really quick because I think there is still some confusion here. Even my esteemed colleague, Rachel Hotmeyer, wasn't quite sure that there was a difference between the audio version of the Packaday podcast and the video version of the Packaday podcast. Now, Monday's, which you're listening to this on in all likelihood, is usually a simulcast. Usually that's my day and I'm either uh, hosting with Perry Goldstein and Alex Stroh for just doing it myself, maybe having a guest, but that's usually on video and audio, both simulcasts uh, on both platforms. However, Every other day is totally different. So on the video version, you're getting a new episode, usually from me, 365 days a year. That's usually a little bit shorter, although as of late, there's been a ton to discuss. So they're usually about a full length episode, but for the most part, you're getting a new episode of about 20 ish minutes per day uh, on YouTube. Again, and I have a lot of different guests on, including Rachel Hotmeyer, Mike Wall. Uh, you know, we, we've had a ton, Peter Bukowski, etc. So. Uh, that's going to be the video version of the podcast. But then uh, for those of you who are more familiar with the video, Uh, We have an audio version as well that is 365 days a year also, but I'm only on that on Mondays and we have an amazing team of about 20-ish, a little bit more than that, people who do uh, brand new episodes again every single day. Again, my day is Monday, but you're going to get a ton of Packer takes from a variety of different people. So if you're not familiar and you're not checking out both, I highly recommend doing so. If you're checking out either, which you clearly are, I appreciate that and that's certainly enough and no pressure to do the other, but uh, there is a ton of great content out there if you're not checking out the other one, So again, video is going to be me, generally 365 days a year, uh, about 20 minutes. The audio is going to be a variety of different teams. And why I wanted to bring that up is because I have an exciting announcement in that regards as well. I did post this on Twitter last week, but we do have some new, or at least some different lineups that are coming starting this week. So Mondays is still again going to be me with every other week being Alex Stroff as well as Perry Goldstein. Tuesdays are now going to be every Tuesday, Ross Uglum, Jacob Westendorf, and Jake Morley. Super excited about that. Wednesdays will remain Dusty Evely, Sarah Kelleher, and Steve Perhatch. Um, although Steve's going to be off for just a little bit, but he'll be back sooner rather than later. So that will be our normal Wednesday team. Thursdays, we are reuniting a group that I know a lot of people is hoping to reunite, and that is going to be Jason Perone, Mark Eckel, and Paul Brettel. So not only are they reunited, they will be every Thursday from here on out. Fridays will remain Andrew Murtag and Kyle Fellows. However, Maggie Loney will be joining them on Fridays as well, which I'm super pumped about. Saturdays we get the reuniting of Jen Mack as well as Matt Freilich, and they will be joined by Eli Berkovitz as well. So really excited about that team. And then Sundays is going to be uh, Nick Schmitz as well as Mike Wentlett and Gage Bridgeford. So just a ton of amazing teams. So if you aren't checking that out, those will, that, that will be our new lineup Monday through Sunday. Again, 365 days a year. We will change that up come draft season and add some draft specialists. A couple people will fall off during that time since the draft isn't their specialty. So we'll have a shake up in a little bit as well, but going forward, that will be our normal rotation and I couldn't be more excited about it. So thank you for checking that out. If you haven't already, uh, also just a really quick thank you to both, uh, Jen Mack as well as, uh, Greg Lennard for filling in uh, this past week on the video podcast, as well as Paul, uh, excuse me, Paul Brettel and uh, Jacob Westendorf for filling in as well. So thank you to those. So I could go enjoy a small vacation in Door County, but, enough about that we have a ton to get to a ton to cover so let's jump in right away or at least four minutes into this but I want to start with Mark Murphy's interview over on Packers.com because I think he very had a very important message, really echoing what Matt LaFleur said in his final press conference of the season, and the fact that Mark Murphy and Russ Ball and Brian Gutekinst and Matt LaFleur and everyone seemingly in the organization is on the same page that they want Aaron Rodgers back in 2022. And as I have discussed on multiple occasions, as of this point in time, I believe them in saying that. And I don't think there's any real reason to not take them at face value, Especially with Murphy, you know, double you go, you know, double doubling down on it. Easy for me to say, uh, and and sort of in written form, saying once again that they are in full cohesion and wanting Aaron Rodgers back throughout the team, throughout the front office, etc. So again, I have no reason not to believe them, as I've also mentioned even if they did wanna trade him or if they thought that he was gonna force a trade, this would be the beneficial thing to say, but I fully take them at face value, at least at this time, at least until I hear something different. Uh, but I think this is really an important aspect. And again, if we are taking them at face value, this sort of you know, negates some of the other possibilities, right? It takes Green Bay's decision out of it. If we're taking them at face value, it means that Green Bay is all in on Aaron Rodgers being back. Again, I believe that to be the case. And then now the decision is more up to Aaron Rodgers. And again, this could be a little bit of chess here in the fact that if Green Bay comes out and says this early, now it's in Aaron Rodgers court. If he decides that he wants to play for another team, there was no question from the Packers side of things from the beginning that, you know, in that case, Aaron Rodgers looks like the bad guy and not, you know not the Packers. So there's, again, some benefit here for Green Bay getting ahead of this and being like, oh, we wanted him all along. He was always going to be the face of the franchise. But as of this point, again, I believe them. I think that's truly the case. And now it just is up to Aaron Rodgers and what he wants to do moving forward. So that will continue to be a major storyline, but I think that was at least a noteworthy interview with Mark Murphy over on Packers.com. Of course, we did get some coaching moves as well. The Packers officially announced the termination of Mo Drayton, which was reported earlier in the week. Certainly not a surprise, but that was made official. And then the Packers added John Dunn as their new tight ends coach, which means that as of right now, special teams coordinator as well as quarterbacks coach remain the main openings in Green Bay. Then, following that, we had some updates on some potential special teams coaches, or at least one very important one in particular. And I just want to start off here by saying a massive kudos to Tom Silverstein, who was all over this all weekend long. Uh, You know, coming up with new news and uh, I'm going to read both of the the big updates from Tom in a second here, but he absolutely crushed it with all the updates on the special teams coordinator. So let's start off with Silverstein's first update on former Raiders head coach, Rich Passaccia. He said, and this is his tweet, Packers coach Matt LaFleur has been in talks with Las Vegas Raiders special teams coach slash interim coach Rich Passaccia about becoming the Packers special teams coach, according to two sources. Packers will have to pay a lot to get him and they may be willing to do it. So big news that I think this is a a candidate that a lot of people are very high on myself included. I'm not going to look you in the eye and pretend like that I know a bunch about what Rich Passaccia has done as special teams coordinator. I know he's had like a, a middling level of success and their special teams units have declined. I also know that he's a very strong leader and that the Raiders players were very um, disappointed when he wasn't back as head coach and thought that he did a really good job as head coach, which he did. I thought he did a phenomenal job with that team and sort of keeping everything together and on the right path, even when... You know your head coach is gone mid-season. They had some injury issues, so on and so forth. So I thought he did a great job of keeping that team together, um, and I, I just think he's a very strong leader. And I think his sort of personality and just overall persona would be really good for Green Bay special teams. More on that in just a moment. But the you know Green Bay needing to pay him, and they may just will, be willing to do it. I tweeted out over the weekend. If I were Rich Passaccia's agent, I would be asking for everything. First of all, Green Bay just lost their season on special teams, arguably. I know it wasn't the whole story, but it's the biggest piece of the story. Their special teams is beyond abysmal and has been for a really long time. There's already the story that they missed out on Darren Rizzi a few years ago because they weren't willing to pay him what his salary was, and that has backfired in a major way. So, if all of a sudden Green Bay misses out on Basachia due to the fact that they didn't pay him enough, the optics on that would be terrible, would be awful. So if I'm his agent, I'm asking for the moon, the stars and everything else. Like they should be asking for top tier special teams coordinator money, maybe even an assistant head coach position as well. Tough to say if Green Bay would be willing to do that. But if I'm his agent, I'm asking for everything. Uh, Meanwhile, Green Bay, you would think, has got to find a way to get this done. Now, it doesn't have to be Bissachia. Again, more on that in just a moment as well on another piece from Tom Silverstein. Uh, but you, you got to think that they have to make a major home run swing here and not just a swing. Now, I'm don't. i going to take that back completely. This is not just a home run swing. They need to hit a home run with this hire. Tough to say if Bissachia is ultimately that, but I think it would at least give the team and the fans and the players some thought that Green Bay is going and doing everything they can to find the right coordinator for this position and really sort of start to turn this special teams unit around. Again, I think his leadership in this situation would go a long ways. Now, I thought Mo Drayton was a pretty darn good leader, charismatic, intelligent, had a lot of great traits, was fantastic in interviews, just didn't carry over. So he can be a great hire on paper, and, you know, you can find the right guy and pay him the most money. And this can still end up being a nightmare. It's not just the biggest name. And again, I know we get caught up on that. I personally, again, I think it would be a really good hire. And I think Green Bay has to swing for the fences here and connect with it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he just comes in and fixes things. And again, more on that in just a moment. Now, Spoon also mentioned that uh, Basaccia is very close with Joe Barry. Joe Barry is Rod Marinelli's son-in-law and Rod Marinelli and Rich Basaccia are best friends. So again, another potential connection there, uh, which maybe, just maybe, could lead Basaccia to Green Bay. Now, there had been reports earlier in the offseason that the likely candidate to be the special teams coach in Chicago was, of course, Rich Basaccia. However, if you're a Packer fan that's hoping that Rich is going to come to Green Bay, you got more good news over the weekend when the Bears hired uh, Richard Hightower as their special teams coordinator, taking that potential possibility away where Bissachia could go to the Bears and be uh, you know, a top special teams coach for a division rival. So that was good news. Now, there are plenty of other you know, coaching staffs that are still filling their rosters and and their, you know, their overall coaching staff and need special teams coordinators. So it's not like Green Bay has the only spot left and, you know, they can pick their, you know, pick the best of what's remaining. There's plenty of competition out there. So Green Bay is still going to have to go out and make a very significant offer to get the, you know, the the coordinator that they ultimately want. However, at least Chicago is off the board and uh, Basashi at this point will not be going to Green Bay's division rival. Now, Silverstein brought up another great point and another really interesting name. He said, and again, this is his tweet directly, if the Packers don't land Bissachia, there's a veteran coordinator who may be available who is just as good. A source said that former Ravens coach Jerry Rosberg is looking to get back in the NFL after retiring in 2019. He also went on to say that he's unsure if the Packers have actually talked to him. So it's not a report that the Packers are interested or in conversations, just that a very, very, very good former special teams coordinator who consistently had top special teams in Baltimore, part of that due to John Harbaugh and John Harbaugh being a phenomenal special teams, just overall coach as well, and all the... You know practice time and and everything that the ravens put into special teams the resources etc but this was one of the top special teams coordinators before he walked away and now it looks like he's potentially ready to get back in the nfl again per tom silverstein so that is another name and frankly if, if that's another option is if green bay can get one of those two i would be beyond thrilled at what well, at least they're attempting to do with fixing the special teams now the last thing i'll mention here is something that, again, I mentioned last week as well, but this is just part one of fixing the special teams. Again, this is just fixing the chef at an awful restaurant. And I mentioned that last week as well, but you need better ingredients. You need better everything. You need more practice time. You need better players. You need a core philosophy that makes it that this isn't just offense and defense with special teams being an afterthought. These are three legit phases that you need to be great in all three of them if you wanna be a legit Super Bowl contender. That's gonna take an effort from Matt LaFleur. It's gonna take an effort from the new coordinator. It's gonna take an effort from the players. It's gonna take an effort from the front office. It's gonna it take an effort from the scouting staff. It's gonna take an effort from everyone that this just has to be a much better emphasis and a much bigger emphasis. Now, can it very much help if you have a better chef that's leading that, a better special teams coach in this situation? Absolutely. Sometimes a really great chef can get a lot more out of bad ingredients than what a bad chef can, right? So that could still help. And again, the bar in Green Bay for special teams is so incredibly low. So even if, even if, you know, they still resort back to some of their bad philosophies on special teams, if they get the special teams coordinator hire right, it could still go a long way in at least making this a mediocre unit. But if they want to have true cultural change in green bay when it comes to special teams it's going to take far more than just hiring the next special teams coordinator and we have certainly seen that from history as well
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
1: Meanwhile, in other news, Matt LaFleur cannot win the big game. I'm saying that very facetiously. He lost and the NFC, lost in the Pro Bowl. Matt LaFleur has now lost three games in a row. He's completely lost his touch. He's now lost four exhibition games in a row. He's two and six in exhibition, a major flaw on his resume. Again, just can't win the big games. Again, totally, totally facetious here. But the big news to come out of the Pro Bowl, the best news that you can possibly have every single year with the Pro Bowl That there were no Packers that were hurt. Now there were no Packers that played, which in my opinion is great because that really limits how many Packers can get hurt in the game. Uh, But that's the biggest thing. Like, I don't care if you're going, if you watched any of it, thankfully I didn't, but I saw some of the the highlights on on Twitter highlights in very big uh, quotes. Um, You know, I don't care if people aren't really tackling and going half speed and whatever else. I think it was J.J. Watt that said he's seen more effort in walkthroughs and, than he did in the Pro Bowl, which whatever, but you can still pull up. You can still have a non-contact injury. Like there's issues that can still come with that. So I'm happy. To, I don't think anyone got hurt in the game. And again, certainly from a Packers standpoint with no nobody playing, that sort of eliminates that possibility. But um, that's the biggest thing that I look for in the Pro Bowl every year is can Green Bay get out of it with none of their players that are playing injured? And when Green Bay doesn't have anyone playing, that certainly is going to be the case. So that was my biggest Pro Bowl takeaway. Again, totally joking in regards to the Matt LaFleur coaching comments. The Pro Bowl means absolutely nothing. All right, my last thing today, my, I guess, sort of main topic, even though special teams was really the main topic I wanted to discuss today. I do think, and I do believe, that regardless of what happens this offseason, whether Green Bay goes all in and brings a ton of people back and Aaron Rodgers is at quarterback, or or if they go in an entirely different direction and it does end up being a little bit of a rebuild or anything in between, I do believe there's a handful of players that are really going to have to step up if Green Bay wants to take any sort of step this next year, or at least remain competitive or whatever happens. There's five players, in my opinion, that really need to step up. Now, I am not going to include Jordan Love in this list because that one, in my opinion, is a no-brainer. Um, and even, whether he's a starter or a backup Green Bay needs an improvement from Jordan Love. He is clearly not there yet. They spent a first and a fourth round draft choice acquiring his services. This will be his third year in the league. He's had plenty of reps to rep the number one offense. This is going to be a massive offseason for him. So Jordan Love is going to be 1A on that list. I don't care if you're looking at it from this season, long-term. Now, if they trade him uh, sometime before uh, training camp, then you can certainly disregard that entirely. I don't know that that's going to happen, but that would be maybe the one case where you can disregard Jordan Love. Uh, But other than that, it's, it's time for him to step up in a major way and start showing that he has some control and clarity of this offense and maybe could be a guy down the road. So this is a massive, massive offseason for Jordan Love, and there's zero question that he needs to be a player that steps up. I'll give one honorable mention as well, and that's Royce Newman. I think there's a very strong chance that Royce Newman becomes a long term starter for Green Bay. Feel of that what you will, but I think Royce Newman actually played it as rookie season much higher than some future stars in Green Bay. I don't think the difference between David Bakhtiari as a rookie and Royce Newman as a rookie is all that great. Um, TJ Lang was certainly far from ready as a rookie. You know, Josh Sitton, it's like there have been some really good offensive linemen in Green Bay that were just simply not ready to be. The caliber of player that they eventually became when they came in their rookie season. I thought what Royce Newman did, and especially showing improvement towards the end of the year, um, it could, could potentially go a long way in him having a really nice career in Green Bay, but he needs to take a step up as well. And I expect him to be very much in the starting conversation regardless, even when Bakhtiari and Jenkins and everyone is back healthy. I think there's a strong chance that, that Newman is still in that rotation as a starting offensive lineman. So that's my honorable mention. He is still going to need to step up in some capacity. Even if he's not a starter, he has that ability and they're going to need depth next season. They're not going to have a ton of money to go out and sign guys as, as depth players that can you know help out in a pinch. They're going to need these players to step up. And that starts with Royce Newman as either a starter or a depth piece along the offensive line. All right, let's get to my main five. And again, these are in no particular order here. Number one is Amari Rogers. Now, it becomes less of an issue if all of a sudden Devonte Adams comes back on a franchise tag or whatever long-term deal and MVS somehow finds his way back and Randall Cobb gets a vet minimum deal to come back and play for the team for one more year. And like Alan Lazard comes back on a restricted tender and basically your entire you know, wide receiver group is back, right? But at the moment, you don't know if Devante's back. You don't know if Cobb is back. You don't know if MBS is back. You don't know if EQ is back. There's a lot of question marks at that wide receiver position. Lazard is a restricted, and there's some complications there as well. Right now, you don't just you don't have players at wide receiver, and Amari Rodgers showed next to nothing as a returner, as a kick returner, punt returner, special teams guy, wide receiver, slot, gadget, anything. He just didn't show anything. So him taking a step in any capacity, whether it be as returner, specialist, Gadget player, wide receiver, slot guy, anything, anything would be a step up. And with Green Bay not having much in regards to players signed at wide receiver right now, this is like Amari Rodgers cannot be the next bust in the third round for Green Bay. Like they are cursed over the last decade in the third round for the most part with their third round picks. And Amari Rodgers cannot be the next in the line of that. He has to find a way to break out. He showed so much potential in college. I'll flat out tell you I, I said I don't know when I said it but I said Amari I would be shocked if Amari Rogers like was just a bust like there's just too much there like there's just too much consistent play he was so good after the catch he had good hand like there would be a, like a concentration job here and there but overall he had good hands he had return ability was just no way that he could possibly like, and the first year was more leaning towards bust than player now Again, one-year wide receiver in Matt LaFleur's offense. You can't tell much off of that, but he needs to improve, and Bay needs him to improve fast. Number two is Josiah DeGuara, and we certainly saw some of the flashes towards the end of the season, not only as a pass catcher, but as a blocker, but had the huge drop in the playoffs, had some mistakes. Him and Rodgers were not always on the same page, really struggled with blocking earlier in the year. We don't know what's going to happen with Robert Tunyon. We don't know what's going to happen with Mercedes Lewis this is a position that could very well be Josiah Deguara as the 1A for the foreseeable future. And if that ends up being the case, they need him to be not only like serviceable, but like a guy, they need him to be very, very functional within this offense as a blocker, as a pass catcher, as a tight end slash H back. And all the potential is there. He's a hustle guy. He's an effort guy. He has good hands. He had the, again, the, the poor drop in the playoffs, but Overall, he, he checks every box from what you'd want out of that position, but again, third round pick. Speaking of which, again, this cannot be another player who busts. Green Bay needs him to take a step at tight end this next season. Next up is TJ Slayton. You're not sure what's going to happen with Dean Lowry. You're not sure what's going to happen with Tyler Lancaster. Kingsley Kiki is gone. And all of a sudden your depth at interior defensive line starts becoming pretty shaky, pretty quick. You know, Kenny Clark is going to be there. And in my opinion, towards the end of the year, TJ Slayton showed the potential to be a starter within this defense. I think that's going to be the hope. I think that very well could be the reality that TJ Slayton is starting at least as a, a three, you know, one of your three down linemen. If you're a nickel, he may not need to be there dependent upon what happens with Lowry, but he, the, there's a world where he could be your number two defensive lineman next year. I don't think that's that like crazy out of the question, depending on what happens with this roster. They need him to be a guy. They need him to step up. He shows all of the flash to be a real legit run stopper. He shows a first step explosiveness to get into the backfield. He can reset the line of scrimmage. The sky remains the limit for TJ Slayton. He needs to play with better pad level. He needs to play with better consistency. Very, very excited about the prospect of T.J. Slayton, but he definitely needs to take a step this next year. Number four is Chris Barnes. Regardless of what happens with Devondre Campbell, Devondre Campbell's gone. That position very well could be Chris Barnes. Now, there on tape are plays where Chris Barnes looks like a true one a one a is that's not true. He looks like a legitimate starting like inside linebacker. Like, and I mean as like your top inside linebacker. I'm not talking like a top tier, top five inside linebacker, but he looks like you're starting inside linebacker. There are plays on tape where that make your jaw drop and go, holy cow, he has explosiveness, he's a good tackler, he reads things pretty well. And then there are other plays that are the exact opposite, where he gets completely washed out of the player, has a misstep here or there. And if he can start eliminating that and just play consistent football, he can be a really, really good inside linebacker in this league. There is still a lot of untapped potential in Chris Barnes. Now, if Campbell is gone, Barnes probably is that guy. He has to be the guy in this defense. We'll see if that happens or if they add more players. If Campbell is gone, they're they're probably going to have to at least to start next to uh, Barnes. I don't think they probably have a ton of faith on anyone else in that inside linebacker spot. And even Oren Burks is a free agent, so they're going to have to make some moves there. But I think you can potentially get away with Barnes being your main starter if he takes that step. On the flip side, if Campbell, even if Campbell is back, history would tell you that last year's Devondre Campbell was an outlier. His other five years in the league were nowhere near, I mean nowhere near, nowhere near as good as what he was last year. If there's any regression there, the only way you can break even is if Chris Barnes has a step up at that inside at, at the other inside linebacker spot, which is very possible. So even if Campbell is back and if Barnes can take a step, that maybe helps you mitigate any, you know. You know any step back that Devondre Campbell would take and allows you to stay really consistent at that inside linebacker spot, which was such a huge key to Joe Barry's defense this past season. And then last but not least is Darnell Savage. As I've talked to you before, Darnell Savage had a really rough year, at least in my estimation. He took poor angles. He was not a consistent tackler. He was not aggressive. He failed to make plays uh, more often than not. And it was just a rough down year for Darnell Savage. When in the past, uh, I was really hard, aggressively so, with Haha Clinton Dix and the way that he was playing. I had given up all faith in Haha Clinton Dix, and I tried to warn Washington fans when they traded for him, and I tried to warn Bear fans when they signed him. Nobody wanted to listen. That is one I'll look you in the eye all the time and tell you when I got things wrong. That was one that I unequivocally had right. Haha was not good his last couple of years in Green Bay, and then went on to really have failures in Washington as well as in Chicago. Still sticking around the league, even this past year. I think he had cups of coffee in a couple different spots, mostly on practice squads, but was still in and out of the league this past year, but was just never the same guy after his Pro Bowl season, and I called that out aggressively. With Darnell Savage, I don't believe that's the exact same thing. I don't believe that he's just washed and he can't find it. I've seen really good Darnell Savage on tape all throughout his career, Just this year, we saw less of it, and we saw him take a major step back, in my opinion. If Darnell Savage can start playing like he did earlier in his career and play a little bit more aggressive and just use that first-round potential and take a step like Rashawn Gary has and a lot of other, like even like Stokes did this past year, I want to see more from Darnell Savage. I think he has a lot more to give this Packers team. I still think he can be an absolute stud in this defense. We just didn't see it last year, and I'm hopeful that that can come around and change in 2022. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. As I mentioned earlier, make sure to check out the audio podcast as well. If you're listening to this on the video, if you're watching on audio, make sure to check out the video over on YouTube as well. Not this episode because this episode's on both, but every other day, make sure to check out both appreciate you guys as always. Thank you so much for joining me. I will be right back here tomorrow on the video. And of course, the audio will be Jacob, Jacob, and Ross. But until next time, and as always, go (laughs) Paco.